He's the host, uh, you know, shooting from the hip, setting Wi-Fi alarms, bringing you a more concise paper keg experience. He's slim. This is the Paper Keg Internet Radio Program, episode 268. Welcome back to the show. There is still a show after last week. A lot of internet rumors started. In the Slack Usenet groups, the message boards. This week we're bringing it back to Brass Tacks. Short little show. Shorty. Called Shorty. Wawa Shorty. 40 minutes or so. The month of October. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever strikes our fancies. Who knows? You know, we, we have three hosts. We all are aware of each other's existence at this point. You yeah. know, the chat, the chat, the iMessages have gone silent as of late. But let's go through the hosts, you know, those those living beings that we're aware of. One of which was riled up <laughs> last week. And I say riled up in, you know, the most understated sense. <laughs> Of the word. Jonesy loves beer. He's a writer. You know, he writes things. He knows how comics are put together. He knows the ins and outs. Uh, Jonesy loves beer. Welcome back to the show. Disclaimer, I know none of those things. Uh, thank you for having me. You know, I was sassy last week. Just to, you know, on the notch of sassiness, I was probably at an eight or nine when it really deservedly should have been like a three or four. Mm. So I'm back. I've adjusted my sass dial. I'm back to normal sassiness. I apologize for any contention I might have brought about. You know, any rumor mongering that might have resulted from my sassiness. I mean, right from the Slack message board, Timothy quote, and I quote: "So much anger in this episode." Mm. Quote Ooh. end quote. My gosh. I mean, if uh, we we want to get another quote in from Tim. On Slack, real talk, quote, Dale, is your stomach really hairless? Mm. End quote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I answered it for Timothy in Usenet group, if you guys must know. It is not completely hairless. It does not quite look like, like the uh, pregnant belly of a, of, a, of a largemouth bass. It does have a little hair on it. A little bit of hair. Yeah. Could quantify his hair. Right. You can either get those kind of details in the Slack Usenet group or the actual show, which is, might I remind you, a roundtable episode. We'll get to that in just a second. Dan underscore A. That's who was just speaking. Welcome back. VP of Merch. It's uh, great to be back. You know, excited about this roundtable episode. You know, ready to sweep all that under, under the rug, what happened last week. Uh, Jonesy out the gate 
uh, eight seconds Luke Perry with some sort of a shock strap tied under his belly. Uh, very uncomfortable in his groin area. He's bucking. He's kicking. And uh, us Cowboys can only hope to hang on to that vitriol. You know, oh, boy. What an uh, so, episode. Yeah, here we are. It's great to be back, uh, ready to you know, tackle it again. Uh, big night tonight. Cleaned all the litter boxes. Uh, my son, Reed, pissed on my calf from across the other side of the toilet bowl. <laughs> what was he doing? Turning around and look at you? And you brought the stream with him? I mean, he was just, he was like, I guess he thought he was, he's just barely over the lip of the bowl. So he's kind of, kind of like grow a little more to get an a- down angle better. So I thought, I guess he th- he was going to make it, and then he just ended up showering on me. <laughs> it, it just trickled down into my house slipper, you know. So I got to wash those, I, mean, I guess, or throw them the, out. The metaphor of the house slipper getting dirty like that. I mean, you put on the house slippers to relax. That's like relax yeah. mode, and where everything just right. is washed away. Right. I mean, that's like the one thing that I could seek comfort in having. And uh, now it's just sopping wet with <laughs> a little boy's urine. Now Whoa. my cats are probably sniffing right now, getting ready to go ape-s. Think about what they could u- use to, uh, <laughs> to get back at the, the, the fresh pee in my house. That's not theirs. They're probably just going to go ape-s. It sounds like a mess over there. Eight seconds, Luke Perry. The little shock straps are tied under their bellies. They're coming out bucking and kicking. What a show we have planned, honestly. is We put it to the Twitterverse, the internet, after a letter from dear friend of the show, the inner circle, the fabled inner, inner circle karate chop, said to bring back the round table. And we put it to Twitter. Should we bring back a short? version of the round table once a month <laughs> to replace a book club episode <laughs> and <laughs> the people the internet responded in kind e <laughs> let me, I can, like, i'm gonna pull up the exact pull figures up. and get my pull data up the exact quote to see if the word short is in there anyway <laughs> actually i'll quote the entire tweet and then i will reveal the results live on this episode this is how he wins everybody. twitter poll should we replace one book club episode per month with a short roundtable oh, episode man. in parentheses four eps a month three book clubs one roundtable 88 percent wow said yes what was the total amount of voters I I don't know how the I don't have that data in front of me, Jonesy. I assume it's in the thousands, I, or millions. Honest to God, I mean I I'll have to let me see if I can contact Twitter, see if they can get me a spreadsheet. Yeah, that shows know, thousands in the. They probably have to call up their data warehousing servers to uh, kind of crunch that kind of number and get it to you. Yeah, auto delivered via some sort of Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode, we're going to go back to formula. And uh, something you guys did not two weeks ago, mm. where we'll talk about two a book we're reading. Back to formula. <laughs> that uh, is in our book club. It's not 140 pages. Could be an eight page, you know, short story that we that we read this week. And you know, no rules. You know, 
You don't have to read three. You can read whatever you want. Uh, but let's get into it. Yeah, mm. let's give the people what they voted for. Eighty-eight percent of the people, thousands, I would assume, votes. How about the uh, the couple hundred, twenty-two uh, percent or so, twelve percent who voted no? They don't want this. Yeah, they didn't want it. Wow. To which, Sorry, you guys. know, I apologize on behalf of the other hosts. You know, this was pushed. Mm-hmm. This was thrust into into the show, and we just have to go yeah. by the votes. Yeah. Also, uh, do we all hear the the the, the audio cuts that I made of Jonesy singing here and now last week. Uh, my wife had that queued up and ready for me when I came home the other night. <laughs> but only the so version where I cracked my voice. Alexa. I, no, it was something yeah. like, um, I, I made a comment. She said, oh yeah? Well, what about this? And she clicked that. Mm. She was uh, quite enamored with it. Gold. God bless technology. Here and now! Sound a little bit better than last week, honestly. I was losing my voice a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm getting back, rallying. It's probably all that whiskey dry mouth, they call it. <laughs> you shut your mouth. Who uh, wants to start off uh, this abridged episode of Paper Keg? <laughs> uh, book Club Edition. Uh, I'm, um, I'm thinking anytime Dale speaks, he's going to add like 10 minutes just to. I will, pa- I will it. filibuster this episode. Uh, would it be all right if I went first, gentlemen? Absolutely. All right. All right. Uh, from your faltering hand, Slim. Uh, Warlords of Appalachia, it's Boom Studios. Uh, written Philip Kennedy Johnson. Uh, illustrated by Jonas Scharf. And colored by Doug Garbark. I hope I said all those names correctly. So let me set the premise Kentucky, Kentucky, uh, is its own rebel state. Uh, the U.S. is divided uh, after the terrible modern civil war that's alluded to as like a like a religious war that turns into a modern domestic uh, all-out war in the lower forty-eight. And Kentucky has kind of become no man's land. And the the premise of the book is there's a Kentucky redneck who's kind of like an outlaw and a hero to the people. And the National Guard polices Kentucky on behalf of the U.S. And it's kind of about their relationship between the people of Kentucky and the National Guard. And a lot, I mean, it's, it's, the story is very interesting because it's, it's like, um, the books that postulate what happens after the superhero war goes down, you know, it's not quite post-apocalyptic, but it's like, what does the next phase of this country or another country look like? But it is polarizing and this might have, might be the most Republican book I've ever read in my entire life. And I'm not sure if the writer wanted that to be the case or was trying to to send that message, but I mean, it's basically all about states' rights. It's anti-big government. It's it's anti like the Democrats because it talks s about the Democrats not giving financial aid that's promised to Kentucky and not sharing medicine with the people, and it's. I don't know. I've never read any comic like this before in my life where it's 
so politically polarizing. Hmm. And I, I just don't know what to make of it. Like, it's one of those things where you, I finished reading, I don't know if I liked it, I don't know if I didn't like it, and I was confused by the message. Hmm. So it's more of like a uh, how the world is run politically kind of book and less... Is there action? Yeah, in? there is action. I mean, it, it comes down to, uh, it, and spoilers, um, the uh, the National Guard has kind of got this town uh, roped off and it's about to, uh, they're about to, well, basically they're withholding food and medicine from the people and the people are starting to riot. Mm-hmm. So they open fire onto the crowd and they end up killing the aunt of the main protagonist. And then the, the I mean, they're politically motivated. They're like, go arrest this guy because he's going to incite a rebellion over this. And the action mm-hmm. is basically him fighting off this National Guard. And the last page is him like commandeering a tank and single-handedly driving it like from the mountain to the city. Like it's, it is very action-packed, very action-oriented. I mean, the art is absolutely fantastic. Hmm. I can't say the art is hands down, like it's exceptional. It reminds me of like a fully colored Walking Dead. Really good. Who's the publisher? Uh, Boom Studios. Hmm. But um, like it's it's a little nuts. I'm like it. I'm very confused by it. I don't I don't know if I would continue reading it based on the fact that. It's not digestible for me, but it's one of the more interesting comics you will read, in my opinion. I mean, you're you're noted for your hate of the stinky libs. Uh, yeah, well, I knew that. Yeah, you know, by picking this book, I would invite some slim uh, tempting <laughs> of my political standards. But yeah. I'm just messing, everyone. I don't know if Jonesy <laughs> hates stinky libs. I don't know how he feels about Hill Dog, you know, Jill Stein. You know, or Every, everybody Donald knows Trump. that I write and vote for Hulk Hogan every election for the last four elections. So, oh, yeah. Well, did we talk in one episode where you like, you, what was it? You didn't register to vote? What was that discussion no, we had? No, no, no. I vote. I just don't register to vote. I don't need to. That's a myth. Look at this. What, 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 what do you mean? That's a myth. Up, you registering like, to you vote is a myth. Digging up some when sort of go, ancient. When you go to vote, correct? Yes, that's correct. All People you need is your driver's license, and they go they go down, and they see that you're a resident of your county, and you vote. But I don't send any kind of pre-registration. I don't do anything online. Well, you register when you get your license. But I'm not registered. Just, I promise you, you I'm not registered. Not registered. Then your vote doesn't count. Uh, that is balderdash. My vote doesn't count. <laughs> I think maybe you were 20 in the hole one night. And you registered to vote at the mall kiosk. <laughs> There's no way you didn't or register at the nineteenth hole. Right. With your old timey, old world Wait, underbelly we... rules that nobody knows about. What's the nineteenth hole, guys? Slims <laughs> imagine what the nineteenth hole might be metaphorically <laughs> mean. So look, right. when I go to vote this presidential election, I'll verify whether I'm registered or not. We'll finally shed some light. But uh, mean, the, the conversation right. you're referring to is that I don't Stone submit cutter. for jury duty. Uh, I'm not an organ donor. Oh, that's right. I don't yeah, get don't. I don't get any national lists that would put me into the pool to be a juror. And then you called me a, a, a civic duty slouch I that I don't care that. about my local community or my country because I won't won't serve in a jury. But even if uh, so, what would be your apprehension on confirming that you're registered to vote? 
I just don't want to be on a call list or a junk mail list or any kind of list that would make me have to do anything other than I do now. I mean, you could just give a a false cell phone number. Yeah. I mean, I could, I guess. But wouldn't they still, like, use my address to send me jury duty notifications? (laughs) Like, that's how you get jury duties. You put your name on enough list that you're going to get jury duty. Well, obviously, you have it all figured out. We need to move on. Oh, I am I'm just extending this episode beyond <laughs> the 30-minute mark. He's bucking. All <laughs> uh, right. I'll go second. Change it up a little bit. You ever heard of this guy, Mark Wade? Oh, no. Man. Is he famous for writing comic books? He's written a few. Uh, Hundred. Notably, probably Potter's Field. Oh, yeah. Great book. most popular one. Potter's Field. Wow. Call and uh, an artist by the name of Umberto Ramos. You dogged son of a bee. Who actually, I was going through, I uploaded like 10 years of photos into Google Photos because I forgot that they were still in Dropbox. And some of the photos that were uploaded were when we went to... Philadelphia. Philadelphia Wizard World, yeah. I think. We were all yeah. there. And uh, you got some kind of signed thing from Umberto Ramos. There was a picture oh, of it. Oh, man. Yeah, well, I think I got a print. He, I, I, You know, because to get a sketch from him would have super outlandish. Mm-hmm. So I got a print and I got him to sign it. And I got my picture with him, I think, right? Uh, I don't have that in mind. You might oh. have that one. Yeah, maybe I have I you holding up the print. You had your hair uh, spiked up as you used to because it was real long. I was doing a hand over my head right, spike like scenario for those that can't see us. So they did uh, Marvel Comics. They did something called Champions. It was a first issue, I think, last week. So I finally read it this week. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, I think there was a Champions book way back when, but I don't, I don't know anything about it. But the this is a team of young Cyclops, Miss Marvel, Nova, um. Amadeus Cho, Hulk, and the daughter of Vision, Vision daughter. She's in that kind of new, funky Vision book. Viv Vision. There it is. And unbeknownst to me, because I'm not caught up on all new Avengers, but um, oh, Ultimate Spider-Man is also on the team. Miles Morales, Spider-Man. He's probably not called Ultimate Spider-Man. But Miles and Nova quit the Avengers. And Miss Marvel stayed behind, but in this issue, you see Miss Marvel quit the Avengers, and they just she takes it upon herself to form this new team. And the reason why she quit, it's actually pretty well done. Her, Thor, and Cap were fighting off. I can't remember who the Wreckers or somebody, mm-hmm. and they like were they saved this subway uh, train from crashing, but like they destroyed this street cart. And the town, this like the street is a wreck. So the everyone's like, "All right, job well done. Let's get out of here." And then Miss Marvel's like, "Well, we gotta rebuild this this subway line. We gotta this guy's subway cart or this guy's food cart's destroyed. What about him?" So it shows her connection to like the the town and the city, whereas the Avengers are still kind of like above that almost. So they don't get it. They're like, "It's not our job. Mm-hmm. Tony's not here. We can't just like fix this stuff." Yeah. So she quits. I- and Sam Wilson's like, there's like union rules that <laughs> yeah. state that we can't. He's rebuild. like, I don't know how to lay track. We can't just <laughs> put the tracks back. So, um, so she meets up with Ultimate 
uh, yeah, Ultimate Spider-Man and Nova and Amadeus Cho. It was a great first issue of them kind of deciding to make a team on their own. And then there was a little speech at the end where that was like live streamed. So people are like tweeting support in, in favor of hashtag champions. So young Cyclops wasn't in the first issue, but I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. They should call this book the Marvel Annials. Hmm? Callback. Hey, Dale. Jonesy just winked mm, at us callback, right. on camera. Yeah. Not sure if anyone, no one else will see that, but it was very. <laughs> they heard that point. it was an audible wink. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the speech at the end was really moving, and I like how they didn't name themselves, but like the the crowdfunding crowdfunded their name, or they like crowd supported and it gave them the name hashtag champions mm-hmm. it was really cool yeah the main villain like that they end up beating at the end was this guy who was running like a sex slave ring and the, the women were like locked up in a um i don't know like a traveling like a, containment unit what do you call those yeah. things yeah yeah container I, it was on like yeah a container on a boat i was i was torn because i'm you know there was just like the first issue had um like young scantily clad women in need i was like eh, could we just made them like all you know mix it up a little bit but i i get that that's a real problem and there's like actual sex slave trade so i was like 50 mm-hmm. 50 on it so overall it was a pretty good issue yeah that mark wade man he's just like he just he can do it he can you know? do it he can do it me myself uh, took the past two days since we last recorded to you know get my ducks in a row and pick out the few roundtable books that I was going to be reading. And what I did was, for my first round of books, I read six issues of a book because I couldn't stop, and it's only six issues long. And I've had it in my... Uh, Download download on my iPad for months. One David Lapom Lapham 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 maybe Lapham Daredevil versus Punisher. What means and ends is the name of the six issue miniseries that this is, and I read. I just read all six issues. I couldn't not read all six wow. issues. And what we have here is uh there's a there's a bad guy, Hammerhead, who couples who who joins up with the Jackal, who calls himself the professor to seem more uh less of like a freak and more of like a smarty kind of bad guy. Mm. And uh you know, they're the backdrop. They're uniting the they're uniting either by uh force or otherwise they're uniting the gangs and whatnot it's very tropey in that sense but the book is straight up stray bullets in the marvel universe mm. i mean it is wild uh it's a lot of it's from punisher perspective and he just has zero tolerance for Daredevil because Daredevil is just like this gnat that won't leave him alone and like let him not kill people. And Punisher in this book kills people. And the stray bullets like realism comes into effect because 
in the first or second issue, the Punisher happens to be in this diner where this uh, these uh, you know these guys are offering protection to this family-run diner, and uh, they start roughing up the old man, and the and the son is there, and the daughter they're starting to like throw around the hard R word, insinuating, and the Punisher obviously takes care of business. This little this probably this fourteen-year-old is such in awe of what the Punisher did. He goes out and buys himself a gun. Oh, well. You know, I don't have to tell you how it all ends up oh by the end, but it's gritty, it's real, and Punisher and Daredevil legit fighting each other for six issues, for four of the six issues, mm. is pretty remarkable. It's definitely worth a read. Mm. He does the art, he does the story. It's a, it's, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. It's stray bullets in the Marvel universe, and you couldn't have picked two better Marvel feature players to kind of fit that bill, I guess. I need to go back to stray bullets. I feel like I that's been it's been too long. I feel like I do too. Oh, I feel like I do too. Let's let's look at each other in the eyes and while this happens. Uh, have mercy yeah. on our souls. Yes. What so check it out. Check it out. Six issue miniseries. Uh, guys on art. Guys on story. The guy's amazing. God, love it. Jonesy, what do you have for us? All right. So I spent some money on, uh, oh, you know what? Well, let me go the, at this a different way. Should I remove the fact that you said you spent money? Just no, no, that's fine. Just listen. Listen, <laughs> we, have an open, we have an open relationship. Uh, Orson Randall and the Green Mist of Death. Okay? Let me stop you guys. It's about Iron Fist, but... Oh, boy. So back to my first comment, I spent some money on some Iron Fist books uh, for the three ninety nine sale. And during the last round table, I said I needed to reach out to you and find out how to return some of those books because <laughs> they were pretty bad. But this volume, Orson Randall and the Green Mess of Death, it's the fourth volume in the Fraction run, that the, the one I actually liked. And I hadn't read this one yet. And what it is, it's a collection of stories about the old Iron Fist. I don't know if you guys remember, he... He wears like a a, a war, World War One ally trench coat. Uh, instead of like kung fu, he uses like twin forty fives. He's like the pulp mm-hmm. generation of Iron Fist, and uh, it, like I didn't know. I don't know if the story is popular. It probably isn't. Um, but he leads like a team of pulp era superheroes that reminds me a lot of like the league of extraordinary gentlemen or um even planetary like the the turn of the century the old planetary heroes like when it was Sherlock holmes and Mm. captain ahab and basically they they go they just have like these cool adventures throughout time there's like there's one where (laughs) iron fist is in the the wild west and wears denim like he wears a jeans a denim shirt tucked in boots but he just wears the mask with a cowboy hat on top of it it's kind of zany and it it jumps around from being very pulpy very zany and then becoming like very serious drama stories like there's a black dahlia 
stories set in old Hollywood and kind of like an older Iron Fist coming out of like retirement to help somebody, to like do a favor for somebody's daughter. Like it's actually really, really good. And I was shocked because the other 80% of my purchases in the Iron Fist sale were not that great. So I consider this a gem. So if you liked the Fraction Run of Iron Fist and didn't go past the first or second volume, um, go all the way to, to Orson Randall and the Green Mist of Death because it's it's actually really, really good. And how did you find this one? This was in a sale? Yeah, so last Comixology two weeks ago I had the Iron Fist sale, I guess when they announced the trailer or whatever mm-hmm. from Comic-Con. So the whole Fraction Run and a couple other omnibuses were on sale for three ninety nine. So I bought the rest of the Fraction Run thinking that I, you know, because I only read, I think, up to volume two. So I read three and four. So I actually read the whole story from where we started many episodes ago on Paper Keg to the, the end of that run. It's like a complete story before, I guess, uh, the character goes unused after that until, I want to say, Carrie Andrews run that you know i liked previously so uh and same recommendation as last time don't bother going back to iron fist of 20 years ago or 15 years ago just save yourself the the trauma i'm trying to read it <laughs> the trauma the trauma i didn't mean to pick another marvel book but unfortunately it is what i have as my second book mm, get into it moon girl and devil dinosaur i think we did the first trade Way back when? No. Did we do the first trade of that? We only did Moon Boy. I talked about the first issue. Okay. That's it. Um, so we talked about Moon Moon Boy and Devil Dinosaur from uh, Jack Kirby. And the Marvel version, You kind of, let's just ignore that there's a, a book already about it, but Moon Girl, uh, young student Luna, young uh, black girl living in, I think, New York City, who, and she's incredibly intelligent. So she's kind of like, you know, the nerdy girl in school. Uh, she makes her own stuff. She's like a, she's a scientist. She makes what, like, she makes her own stuff. She's like a, like a young Tony Stark, maybe. But it's officially, it's official that she's the smartest person in the Marvel Universe. I just read that. Wow. That's cool. Um, and she eventually gets mixed up into a big red T-Rex, pretty much. And they're like BFFs. So that's the plot of the story. And... She, they get like, if they get mixed up into hijinks, she tries to stop crime with the help of Devil Dinosaur, and he hides like in an underground lab that she has. It's really adorable. It's a great book. But, um, the most recent trade that I read, um, she finds out that she has the inhuman gene in her. So that, meaning, once she touches or gets hit by the Terrigen mists, that means that she's going to have a mutation. Um, so that's kind of like the inhuman part of the story. So she like battles with the fact that like, you know, I'm fine the way I am. I love how I'm really intelligent and I can build stuff. I don't want to change and Mm. it's not, it's my decision to change and I don't want to. So she's like purposely trying to avoid the mist because it's like, you know, the inhumans are just dropping bombs, turning people inhuman. And this is a perspective that I never thought of before of like someone who doesn't want the mist and doesn't want the Inhumans to just like do whatever they want and turn them into an Inhuman. So in the trade, she actually is sidetracked, turns around, and like there's a mist in the part of the town she's in, and she gets hit with it, and then she turns oh. into a cocoon. And I was like, 
man. Oh my god. What the hell? She didn't want to get changed, now she's gonna have to change. But um it ends up being okay. She um her inhuman uh transformation isn't something that's like really obvious. The first issue is kind of like the um ultimate storyline where Spider Man and Wolverine change bodies. So she changes like bodies with Devil Dinosaur. Uh, in like one issue so i think that's the inhuman like superpower so it doesn't affect her like in any other way but it's a great book and this is one of those books where i don't care what the sales are this is like more important than sales that marvel keeps publishing this book and like you know has it in trade form in libraries or whatever but great book they um the book is canceled right no i don't think so Hmm. or maybe they relaunched it to number one i don't know maybe yeah, I know Sarah Titus from uh show sponsor the comic book shop Facebooked yeah. about it last month saying that it was canceled, but she was actually wrong. She corrected herself. Oh, okay. That's how I know. Okay, good. Good. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, I think maybe Marvel's starting to like not that they didn't get it, but like they know that the the sphere of readers that read these like maybe aren't direct market readers and like it has more right. life in trade form elsewhere. So, major props. Yeah, the the first couple issues is really cute. I should uh, I should get back on it. I went ahead uh, for my second book, <clears throat> DC Comics. <laughs> yeah, dipping my toe back in Trinity, number one. Francis Manipal, part of the DC Rebirth uh, line of comics i guess the banner and uh this uh, book is obviously about the dc trinity superman batman and wonder woman this is the superman who is now living in the current dc universe who was <coughs> he's the superman of the dc universe but he was from the other universe he's got lois lane as his wife and his son and they're living in Smallville. And uh, Clark is very focused on raising uh, Jonathan Wright. Jonathan can't use his powers to do his chores kind of thing. And uh, Lois, it turns out, invites Diana and Bruce over for dinner. because, And Clark is very uncomfortable with this fact because uh, they tried to kill him. Like Batman tried to kill him last time. Oops they met and you know they're not really friends and bruce obviously bruce is at odds with it as well but diana's like we should do this we should uh kind of like be friends i mean we we have something going here but isn't it kind of awkward that diana dated like the new 52's version of clark well it's addressed and it's he basically lays it out she she has a frank conversation with lois like Look, when I look at your husband, I don't see the man that I loved. He's passed away. I don't have the same feelings like that anymore. So you don't have to feel threatened or be worried about that. So they they, they address it right there in issue one. And um, so Diana like gets off the invisible jet with this like draped around her shoulders as this huge dead wild boar that she's bringing for dinner like <laughs> as a gift. Like she's like it's like draped over her shoulder. It's amazing. And Batman shows up and they just kind of like have a chat around the table about uh, the past 
uh, something funny is brought up about Batman's past where, um, you know, there's kind of associating like having Jonathan in this world could be a detriment. And then, but Clark's like, you know, it's funny because when I think of Batman, I think of Batman and Robin mostly and how Robin is like a son, how you raise those kids to be, you were protective of those kids. And, and he's like, I remember one time when, you know, Dick had broken his arm and, and to like distract the villains from Dick, you wore like a rainbow Batman suit or something. And I think that's like a super callback to, and something that actually happened back in the forties or fifties. And, Question, uh, Batman Grant got, Morrison like, write this issue. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, cause yeah, cause he probably wore it again during that run, <laughs> but it was a great, it was a great first issue. There was no, um, you know, there was no big bad, but there was um, something towards the end that started to like happen. Maybe that's going to be the the first sort of adversarial a conflict in the book. But I liked it, and I I liked so much I clicked the old subscribe to series button. Mm. Two ninety nine. Okay, wow. let's do this. Let me let me dip my toe. Holding the line. Let me dip my toe. Unless it's every two weeks and I'm just blasted out of the water with this. Actually, I feel but like... But it can't be. I feel like two came out last week or was it this week? I hope not. Maybe, maybe it comes out this week. Cause I feel like it won't be two weeks there. because Francis Manipal is not going to be able to write and draw. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah his art's was great in that book. Yeah, it was beautiful. Beautiful book. Um, so what are you doing? Do we, do we have a lighting round to wrap up the show? Oh, man. The Crow Pestilence by IDW Publishers. If you like amateur boxing and The Crow, (laughs) give Crow Pestilence a shot in the arm. Deadly Class 22. colon the new class it's a brand new year at the school and I'm still not recovered from the issue previous cliffhanger (laughs) Uh, to be completely honest I don't have a lightning round book we're changing it up you know we don't have a, a set format I mean it's not like you were hassling me on only having two books earlier. I wasn't. Right? You could check the tapes. <laughs> easy, easy. That episode's behind us now. Remember it, that we love each other. Us. You know, we're more open than ever. We're more accepting of each other. Yeah. We're back on the, the horse. The we're back horse. on the social love horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a show. We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. Letters at papergag.com. You shoot us a letter with my red on our. Uh, our only letter this week. Um, perhaps, I'm not even sure if this is a letter or just a long name drop, but I'll read it. It says, Favorite fireside ever subject and it reads oh man you guys talking about the fourth season of Longmire the one I worked on 
Oh, it made my day. Thanks. Very exciting. So very, very exciting, exciting with the uh, the name drops. The troll he's been called. that was you know as trolls go that was pretty pretty good. By a by by a writer letter writer rhymes with Harry Eggs writing. <laughs> Might be one of the deepest cuts <laughs> I think we've ever made on this show. I mean, major props to anyone who knows what that means. Uh, yeah, the uh, to be completely honest, I didn't get a chance to check this letter when it came in. I just saw like the uh, preview on the, my lock screen, and I thought if he was going to be in like a world of hurt after we basically tore down season four of Longmire, I was like, oh man, I forgot that he worked on. But this. I feel like we of- did it before too. Didn't we do it like right after season four came out? I think it was only me and you on that episode for some reason, D- uh, Dale. Oh yeah, maybe we did. Yeah, wonder if you heard that one because we really went at it for like fifteen minutes, just the two of us. So I was like, "Oh man, we really hurt his feelings." Like it's probably just like any publicity is good publicity, right? Like, sure, that's could have been what it felt like. And he didn't write the show; he's an integral you, part of the show. Have you watched episode two yet? No, I don't know. If, okay, no. have you? Soon, I'm gonna watch episode two soon. Yeah, me too. We'll get back the horse get back to this and uh, we'll reconvene so uh, Jones's face knock it off his shirt. we'll see everybody we'll see everybody next week book club next week maybe Enigma Peter Milligan mm-hmm. revered book among comic industry professionals really you heard here first okay goodbye love you You guys been watching the show Supergirl? Are we in Fireside? I'm getting a dirty look we over have, there. Mike, were you we Fireside? We're we not in Fireside. I mean, yeah, I, we got I, a, I, a couple seconds. Yeah. No, I'm not mean. watching Supergirl. So, you know, it, it moved networks. It was on ABC and now it's on the CW. You know, and I'm a big fan of that CW show, The Flash. So I figured, you know, it's, it's Supergirl. It's jumping. Maybe it's time to give it a shot. It was pretty bad. Really, it was like I mean they they try to bring in, and maybe this is why I think it's bad. They try to hook you in with Superman being in the first episode of the second season, so small screen Superman for the first time, however long, and it just I don't know. Maybe it's because I had no. Maybe this is the type of a show that you can't jump into in later years because everybody was so established. Like Jimmy Olsen's in it, and he's like a main character, and uh, Martian Manhunter is like zipping around, and there's like a lot of DC characters. I like how Martian Manhunter zips around. (laughs) He's zipping around, (laughs) and uh, I wasn't so much as befuddled as much as I wasn't impressed with what was going on. And I, you know, I don't know if I'm giving Supergirl a bad rap because I didn't see any of the first season. 
But if that was their plan for a lead-in episode on a new network to draw on a new audience and and adding Superman on top, it felt more like an episode of Superman that was super involved with Clark Kent that I really didn't get to know Supergirl at all. Mm. So, mm. I don't know. Be warned. Unless you're a Supergirl fan, don't tweet at me. Tweet at Dale. He put me up to it. <laughs> A lot of Supergirl fans listen to the show. Yeah, I ask. I, so I ask you, better, you might want to go Twitter dark for a little while. That's yeah. not my phone over my leg. <laughs> <laughs> Bend the gate. But The Flash is great. Keep watching The Flash. Awesome show. And I hate The Flash. And I love The Flash show. So that'll, that should tell you something. Hmm. About how wishy-washy I am. That's what I should tell you. Do you watch all of the other ones too? League of Tomorrow Legends. No, and I watched Arrow up until this season where Ra's al Ghul was the main villain. I think it was like two years ago. And once you get Ra's al Ghul and you beat him, like where do you go from there? Dark so, side. Yeah, I guess. Dark side's the, the next plausible villain of a guy with a bow and arrow going to shoot somebody who can, you know, beam... Omega beams or the anti-life. If Mark were here, he would know all this. The anti-life equation out of his eyes. You know? Parallax. You know? Parallax, you know. Where's Green Lantern? He should be on, uh, he's probably zipping around with Martian Manhunter. Supergirl. I just didn't see the episode yet. Mm-hmm. Poor Supergirl fans. Yeah. I just I'm sure she's have, great. I just want to have nice things. You know, maybe it was that Superman's costume was so terrible that I couldn't stop looking at it. It was so bad. What made you want to watch the first uh, episode of Supergirl? I I, t- I told you he, I was watching the Flash. Somehow, I saw the Slim, he had time on his hands. I don't know how Jonesy has all this time. Jonesy watches more TV, reads more comics than most uh, young men. It's called insomnia, and I'm not. I'm trying not to embrace it. I slept. But you watch the night it with your wife night. too, right? You watch all these shows. No. no. Oh, okay. No. Okay, that makes more sense. So, you, wow, you just have time. Just have <laughs> we have the same number of children. It's not like it's crazy. I know. That's why, it, that's why it's so crazy. Meanwhile, Dale's reading comic books with his iPad taped to his steering wheel. <laughs> well, he drives home. Have you not you know, heard the stories? 20%, 20% of your day is in the car. Am I right? That's true. That's true. So, it's not your fault, Dale. Oh, man, I just wish something would give, you know?